Look at my butt. Show number 206 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. This is your producer with a quick technical note. For reasons I do not understand, my computer decided to stop recording with my headset and start recording with the external microphone, and I didn't know it was doing it while we were recording, and here it is. So I've cleaned it up as much as possible. It's about half hour into the show, and then it switched back to the headset, and then it switched back to the external mic again. So apologies for the shitty sound quality. There was literally nothing I could do about it because I didn't know what was happening. So anyway, on with the show. Oh, well, we're back. Here we are, ready to do another show. We are back with a long list of stuff we are really excited to talk about. Yeah. But first, the very first thing that we're going to talk about is the comic book that I uh, got as a gift in the last show, which was awesome. And <laughs> I, I loved it. And, you know, this is, I have to say, the the word that for me best sums this up is charming. It It, it is. It, it's sort of... It's cute more than anything else. And like, that's not a word that I would think I would apply to a comic book that's a crossover between Star Trek and Doctor Who. But it is. It totally is. Well, and there are cute moments, certainly in Doctor Mm -hmm. Who. And certainly Trouble with Tribbles is a very cute episode. It is. So this very much. And, you know, David Gerald wrote that. So, okay. There we go. So it very much has the flavor of that. Um, And the plot is sort of whisper thin, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Somehow the doctor just shows up um, on the Enterprise, and it's the David Tennant doctor, and they're all sort of confused. And the doctor says, why are you here? And uh, Kirk says, why are you here? And the doctor says, well, the TARDIS seeks out stress field disturbances in the time-space continuum. Okay, sure. Whatever. So why isn't it on the Enterprise every day? You'd think so. <laughs> you totally think so. So whatever. But what happens is that we kind of get the Tenth Doctor inserted into bits of the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Oh. Which is, like I said, it's cute. It's very, very cute. Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, different scenes being illustrated and the Doctor is having a good old time. He thinks it's all really funny. And um, at the very end, uh, the punchline to this where he's standing next to Kirk, who has the tribbles all around him. He says, oh, mm-hmm. I finally figured out what it is. And he says, it's a testosterone malfunction. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, okay. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then at the very end, there's a little scene of the Klingon engine room with all the tribbles in it. And then there's mm-hmm. yet another scene after that where we see um, – a couple of Daleks with tribbles multiplying around them, <laughs> which is funny. It's very funny. Yes, And, and yes. they're just sitting there going, exterminate, and the tribble pile gets higher and higher and higher. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, there's there's not a lot to it, but it really is very, very cute. And thank you so much because it's just really cool to see this. Oh, good. Yeah. And as I mentioned in the last one, whenever Kirk talks, his – word balloons get broken up so that they have just single words or little phrases in them, which is a perfect way actually of conveying the way he talks in those highly stressed situations. So I like that. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Well, good. So thank you. You're very welcome. So, um, I saw a movie a couple weeks ago Uh 
Ex Machina. Uh-huh. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it, and I have not gotten a chance to see it, but uh, it got some pretty good reviews in the press. It is really Ooh, good. Okay. And I've been telling a lot of people about it, saying, you know, if you're into more hard thoughtful sci-fi not you know spaceships chasing each other and shooting and everything um that this is an outstanding movie to go see and i guess um this can be kind of a little spoiler okay so you know if people want to remain spoiler free maybe you should <laughs> skip ahead about five minutes or so um <clears throat> but the basic premise is that this guy who works for some huge corporation that is run by a, a mad genius <laughs> of course you know, kind of a, you know, a, he's not like Bill Gates, but I mean, he's like the richest guy in the world and he founded this huge company and everything. And uh, he lives in this remote place in this incredible house. So this guy wins a contest to go spend a week with him. Mm-hmm. And so the guy shows up, and it turns out he didn't win a contest, <laughs> he was chosen. Mm-hmm. And what this uh, nutcase has done, who is a fantastic character because he's not a drooling, foaming at the mouth nutcase. Mm-hmm. He can sound really rational, and he's really interesting. You could see why you'd want to talk to him. Um, he has developed an artificial intelligence that he wants tested. And he says, it, you know, he wants this guy who has never met this intelligence before to do the Turing test, mm-hmm. which is, you know, where you can't tell if it's human or, or, or artificial. So the guy goes to, to meet it, and yes, it is a robot, but um, it has a completely human face, a beautiful, you know, woman's body and everything. But um, so he talks to her, and then, the, you know, the next guy, day he says to the guy, this isn't the Turing test. And he goes, this is beyond the Turing hmm. test, because um, I'm not trying to find out, because he thinks this is the real test of an AI. I'm not trying to find out if you can tell if she's real or not, but if you and she, through being together and having these discussions, develop any actual feelings for each other. Okay. Okay, so I'm not going to tell you more than that, except at that point I went, uh, Requiem for Methuselah. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds kind of like that, kind of a lot like that. Mm Mm-hmm. So I found that really interesting that, um, I don't know, you know, if the person started out with that idea, I'm going to take this, you know, so-so Star Trek episode, <laughs> now I'm going to make it into something really great, but he, he succeeded. But it, it does take it, um, you know, it's, it's basically the same premise. He wants to see if this guy can awaken feelings mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. her. So I thought that was really interesting. Plus, <laughs> right, it's... Mac, about two-thirds of the way through, there's kind of a Muds women scene. Oh, really? <laughs> there are some great, unexpected comic moments in this, but it's a, a wonderful film. So, um, are there any scenes of people playing pool with, with EVEs? Uh, no. Oh, that's too bad. But, yeah, <laughs> in fact, I didn't notice any EVEs at all, but it is a really really good movie very very different than i think anything else you're going to see this summer mm-hmm. in all the the blockbusters or anything like this, this is definitely a, a a thinking person's science cool. fiction well that's good yeah you don't see too many of those oh no so i strongly recommend this i went to see age of ultron the new avengers movie that was okay. that was not a deeply thinking science fiction movie <laughs> really? no not at all it was a lot of stuff blowing up 
but I liked it anyway, so that was fun. Oh, good. <laughs> good. I probably will not be going to see that one. <laughs> I don't think anybody who, well, if you want to see a lot of things blowing up, it's good for that. Um, sure. If, if you're really into the whole Marvel Universe thing, you probably want to see it because it's setting up, you know, like the next four movies or whatever. <laughs> but, God. you know, I, I can't even imagine seeing a movie like that without having seen the other movies that came before it. Mm-hmm. Because so much of it is dependent on knowing characters' backstories and what they've done yeah. and where these things came from and all the rest of it. And it's just like it would be incomprehensible, I think. Or you would just have to not care. You would just go and say, I want to see things blowing up and people punching each other. Yes. Well, you know, that's how I was with Harry Potter. (laughs) Uh, Although there was no blowing up and punching or very little. But because I read the first book, I thought, this is, you know, this is okay. But I wasn't compelled to read the rest of them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really retain what went on in the first book beyond a few basics. So from movie to movie, I could not remember what had happened. (laughs) And through at least the first half hour of each subsequent movie, I was going... Who is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. You know, th- that sort of thing. And I'm always intrigued by um, people who never read the Lord of the Rings stories, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yet uh, can completely follow the movies. Yeah, <laughs> really? Because I have I read Lord of the Rings at least three or four times over the, the many years mm-hmm. I've been on this planet. And... Um, and I found that really helped me mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, um, now, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. I've never read. And I'm still not, well, I'm not watching it for the reason most people are watching it, I think. Because, again, I can't keep track of all these people. <laughs> and so I'm watching it going, who the heck is that? And the next day, I always have to go online and read a recap. <laughs> and they remind me, oh, this is that really evil guy. Oh, yeah. Right, right. But I think I'm watching it because there are some situations, numerous situations and characters that I'm actually really interested mm-hmm. to see where they're going. Mm-hmm. But the story, the world as a whole, is too big for my little puny brain <laughs> to take in from television. And, but, you know... There are people who never read the books and who I think know everything that's going on mm-hmm. and that has gone mm-hmm. on. So I think that's a limitation of me. Well, you're, I'm sure you're not the only one. And it's good that people do those kind of recaps because then they're like Cliff's Notes, right? And they you are. Can just refer to it and refresh my memory what's going on here. Um, I'm mm-hmm. having a different problem now um, because we decided to start watching The Flash, the TV show. it's so good i'll tell you later why that's funny go ahead it's really good right like i tried to watch arrow and i couldn't get into it because it was all dark and mopey and angsty it was like fuck that i don't need that in my life but the flash Mm -hmm. is very light and and fun and the characters are good Mm -hmm. and the acting is good i really enjoy it but because that character has had a very long history in dc comics with like different backstories and different things happening when you're watching a show and a character appears or a plot point that you recognize from comics but they're executing Mm -hmm. it in a different way i'm constantly going that's not how it happened in the comics like it's really hard to let go of the stuff and just enjoy the show for what it is i always have to remind myself like this isn't the comic this is a show Right. Well, I think in some of those things, you can know them too well. Yes, exactly. That is exactly right. But it's very good anyway. I really, really like it. Okay. The reason I laughed is in this week's 
uh, Big Bang Theory, th- their season finale, it started with Sheldon and Amy actually making out. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of it, he stops and says to her, do you think I should start watching The Flash? <laughs> <laughs> and this turns into a whole big thing because he's commitment phobic of if, if he commits to this show, he knows he will watch it forever mm-hmm. no matter how bad mm-hmm. it gets. And, of course, this sets her off with, but you're not worried about the fact that you can't commit to me, you know. So, But when you said you start watching The Flash, I just, I had to laugh. It's true. And, like, thank God that you can get old episodes off of, you know, the torrents and that they have it on Netflix mm-hmm. or whatever. Because I didn't start watching it when it started being on TV. And now it's mm-hmm. like I have to watch two or three episodes in a row just because... I have to sate my curiosity, but it's a very intense show. Like I could never binge watch it because I would be emotionally distraught at the end of it. It, (laughs) They pack so much into 60 minutes. It's really good. Mm. Well, good. Good. Are you going to start writing flash fanfic? No, definitely not. I'm not even going to start reading flash fanfic. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, our little friend, our favorite little Trekkie, (laughs) Sarai, has reviewed, I think this just came up, uh, I don't know, a day or so ago, mm-hmm. Journey to Babel, oh, it's, or Babel, how do you I say think it? I think they say it on the show as Babel. Okay, so it's Journey to Babel, but she says it's the episode about Spock's dad. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that maybe once in the whole review does she call him Sarek? She calls him Spock's yes. dad and Spock's mom the whole time, yeah. which is so funny. <laughs> I know. I love that because I'm pretty sure nobody on Vulcan has any sort of nickname for their parents. They are father and mother. I want to call him. Or parental units or something. Mr. Spock's dad and Mrs. Spock's mom. (laughs) Thanks for the donut hole, Scott's mom. Exactly. Oh, it is so good. It is such a great review. And I am amazed at how much dialogue she remembers or has written down or memorized or whatever yes. from the episode. It's great. Yes, and of course, and I bet this is your favorite moment too, is when she tells us they call Captain Kirk and he doesn't have his <laughs> shirt on. And then she sort of hesitates and goes, I think sometimes he likes to show his muscles off on TV. <laughs> And I just, I just oh. talked back to the screen. I went, you think? Oh, tr- truer <laughs> words were never spoken. I know. Oh, it's great. There were so many funny things in that. Um, I like the fact that the music that he laid in, her dad, who does the, yeah, mm-hmm. Sarai's dad, um, yeah. was um, Cat's Cradle, the, um, you know, Cat's in the Cradle mm-hmm. song, which was funny because, you know, it's all about children and parents, yes. and that was really cute. Um, I loved that part, and I liked when she described Kirk's fight with the Andorian. <gasps> yes. So First he was the antler the guy. The little antler guy. That's what she <laughs> says. The fight with the little antler guy. And then... How did he fight with him? He did the two moves. One is the fist haya. <laughs> when he puts his two hands and he does the double fist. And then mm-hmm. he does the jumping kick. <laughs> and then he did a move she had never seen before. Right. The knee to the face. <laughs> I love that. It was so funny. So now whenever I see him do that that double fist thing, it's going to be the fist haya. Haya. <laughs> Well, I like, too, how she described at the party, you know, the various mm-hmm. aliens. And there were two little gold men, and they looked like Oompa Loompas. 
And then the pig man. <laughs> the pig man. And that made me laugh, too, because on Seinfeld, there's a whole episode about Kramer sees a That's pig right, man. That's right. I remember. <laughs> so, um, but I have to say, I really liked the fact that she picked up on the relation between Spock and his parents. Yes. That, yes. that was very clear to her, that there was a lot of tension happening. And when she talks about the scene at the beginning where Sarek says he wants someone else to give him the tour of the ship. Um, Mm -hmm. And she says, and if my dad said that to me, I would be very sad. And it's like that, that's absolutely right. And then later on when Amanda gets really pissed off at Spock and slaps Mm -hmm. him, she says, she's sad. And it's very sad when your mom is mad at you. It is. It totally is. And I was so pleased that she got that message so clearly. I mean, that that's a really important message that comes out of that episode that mm-hmm. Spock really has to learn. So that that was great. And, and I also really liked that she said, um, you know, Kirk is so concerned for Spock and all that. And um, that they're good friends and he's the best friend in the world for Spock, which is absolutely true. And then she says, that's why I like Captain Kirk. Yes. Yes. And then she also loved the end where McCoy tells everyone to shut up. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's talk about his motorcycle. Oh, man. I love the fact that um, it's not a two-wheeled motorcycle. No. It's a three-wheeled motorcycle. And it's called um, the Rivet One. I know. It's so exciting. And when I saw these pictures and then read about it some more, I realized it is sort of the old man's motorcycle. Yeah. You know, three wheels and you can put a lot of crap in the back of it. And then you can, he wants to have somebody sitting next to him. So then like, when does it stop being a motorcycle and become like a car, a very low to the ground car? Yeah. And it looks like it's got a really comfy seat. (laughs) It does. Very comfortable. And um, they describe it as a steampunk trike. Yes, because it has uh, the rivets all over the outside yes. of it. Yes, and it is an all-aluminum, computer-controlled, supercharged, and intercooled V8 engine producing over 500 HP. I have no That's, idea what any of that means. Um, well, I can tell you that the um, V8 engine is pretty powerful, and over 500 horsepower is pretty powerful for a bike. Okay, well, you know, Bill, he has to have... The fastest bike and the most beautiful woman and the and it's got to have three wheels instead of two because, <laughs> because he's been doing Star Trek too long. <laughs> right now, um, he said in the little video clip that was here that he is going to drive it from Chicago to L.A. And uh, do we have any word on when no, this is going to happen? No, nothing mm-hmm. has been showing up yet. So I don't know. I thought he would, had said originally he was going to do it this summer, and summer yeah. is coming soon, but we don't know how far along they are in actually building this thing. Yeah. I would like to know, because it, he only has until probably, what, like October or something to actually do it mm-hmm. if he's leaving from Chicago, because then the weather's going to be bad, and yeah. he's not going to want to do that. Yeah. I wonder so. if he will wear a helmet. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. So, yeah, the steampunk trike from the future. <laughs> Maybe he'll have a little TV in there. Maybe a little bar, <laughs> you know, like a homemobile, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a toaster. <laughs> microwave. Yep, yep. I think, I think stuff like that is the car of the future. 
Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks for finding that because I had been wondering what was going to happen. You know, you talked about it and then we didn't hear anything for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's always got, you know, other things going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's always multitasking as far as working on multiple <laughs> projects. Um, last Friday in New York, at some New York film festival, his Trump, Chaos on the Bridge. Uh, <gasps> That's opened. right. And yes, I haven't I, heard anything about it, but I, I know that did happen. I know. I saw that, and I was all excited. I think I might have retweeted something that he said about it. And it was like, can we see this, please? Can we show it somewhere that's not like a little tiny art theater in New York? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I will I will hope that that's going to show up because uh, yeah. I think that could be really interesting. I want to see it. Yeah. I totally want to see it. Now, tell me what this thing is about the pub quiz. Okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I went through quite a bit of it. But apparently there is this this company that does uh, pub quizzes in many, many cities throughout the U.S. And um, and they're, they're just geek topics. And when you go to the web page and you click uh, topics and dates, I couldn't find anything. Um, when you click locations, it lists like, you know, here are the ones in California, here are the ones in Chicago, you know, all of those. But it doesn't say dates, times, what the topics are. But I'm thinking the next time we're together, mm-hmm. um, we should maybe try to find out a little bit more about this Ooh, and yeah. see if they're doing like a, a, the only one I could possibly do at all would probably be Trek. But like mm-hmm. you're you're more versatile in, in other <laughs> in other geekdoms so um i don't really know what it is but listeners uh you know we're gonna of course post the link but if you've been to one of these or if you go to one we are dying to find out about this yeah so it's called geeks who drink and it's quite a nice little website and as you say they have some listings but then it doesn't say what the topics are going to be yeah so um it would be great to to know because that would be fun i've done pub quizzes and they're pretty fun Mm -hmm. you know if you've got a good team of people who are into the spirit of it it's actually quite fun and people get very competitive very very competitive oh do they ever yeah (laughs) yeah i sort of accidentally wound up at one at this uh thing i was ushering um the theater was like behind the bar Mm -hmm. And there was a trivia night thing going on in the bar, and it looked like nobody was showing up for the theater. And so (laughs) the ushers more or less drifted in. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, we were very quietly whispering the answers to each other because, you know, we hadn't registered as a team and we Mm -hmm. knew we couldn't stay, but... It was was really something. They had a lot of of people. They must have had 10 or 12 teams at least playing. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Well, um, we can mention one other thing. Yes. Um, speaking of the next time that we'll be together, and maybe this is we'll see each other before that, but definitely next year. Yes. Um, there is the Chicago creation uh, con coming up, but Bill's not mm. going to be at it, so who cares? But he <laughs> is apparently on board to be at the one, is it here? Yeah, next year. Mm-hmm. When they will be doing what is it, fiftieth anniversary? I believe it is the fiftieth oh anniversary. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we're definitely, we're definitely going to be at that one. Yeah. So uh, it'll be in wonderful Rosemont again. Probably. I'm, I'm sure it will be. 
So that's going to be awesome. Um, um. <laughs> and you should stay longer this time because, first of all, we got to try to find a, a pub night, a pub yes. night. And we have to go to the Cheese Castle. Oh, I was so in love with that picture that you sent of the Cheese Castle. Yes, absolutely. I'm with you, 100%. Okay, we'll get a car. We'll drive up to the Cheese Castle. It's right there on the other side of the uh, the Cheddar Curtain. And, Great. Uh, <laughs> Um, I just found the CreationCon site that has the little note for this thing, so I will just read it um, because they feature Bill's name quite prominently. Well, yeah. Yes, it is the 50-year mission tour. So it's September 9th through 11th, 2016, and yes, it's in Rosemont. It says, we are incredibly proud to be continuing the decades-long tradition of creation entertainment's participation in Gene Roddenberry's phenomenal legacy of Star Trek, what it means to all of us. 2016 marks the incredible 50th anniversary of the original classic series, and we're planning a series of events to honor this once-in-a-lifetime occasion, featuring our special honored guest, the legendary Rick Chapman, joined by many other celebrities, none of whom are listed here. Um, because we are here. <laughs> because nobody cares about anybody but Bill. Um, while it is a bit early to have details, we want our fellow fans worldwide to have these dates to begin their vacation plans. Well, yeah. It wouldn't be the same without you. So that's what it says right now, and that's very, very cool. Um, and it looks like they're doing, on this page, like three of them? Not very many. I had read somewhere else that creation was... Um, really cutting down the number of Czech conventions. Mm -hmm. They used to do a lot, yep. and now they're not doing a lot anymore. Yeah, and that's but, been going on for some time. Yeah, so now the number is down to, to like three or four a year rather than sort of the ten that they were doing mm -hmm. every year. Yeah. So. It's going to be good. It, it, we'll be there. We'll be there. Now, you are going to have to, of course, plan and plot to come up with another way to get your hands on Bill. Well, why don't you plan and plot and get your hands on Bill? Well, He's already got be. my finger and lip prints. <laughs> You're just better at oh, it than I am. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> you are. You so are. Well, you're going to have to work at it then. I'm going to coach you. All right. All right. I have to think about it. And fans and people who are listening, if any of you are planning on making this, please let us know. Yes. And all right. maybe so we can happening. all go to the Cheese Castle together. <laughs> well, that would that'd be, be great awesome. if we could get this huge contingent of Star Trek fans, like after Creation Con, to all go oh, to the Cheese Castle. That would be terrific. Or, be oh, so even better, fun. if Pub Quiz was coincidentally doing <gasps> a Star Trek. Wow. And we, uh, we would, would show up and wipe everybody out. We would, totally. It would be amazing. Would People be so would be fun. in awe of us. It would be great. Okay. Now, um, we're, we're kind of come up to our break in a minute, but I did want to mention this that you sent, which is that you can now get the Star Trek 25th anniversary um, video game, or computer game, I should say, yes. because you can only play it on a computer. And no, this is not the one that we tried to play. Oh, okay. This is a different one. And yeah, 25th, so it came out 25, oh my God, 25 years A 25-year-old computer game. Yeah, and it looks it. You know, it's nice, like, 8-bit pixels and stuff. But have they, uh, like, but, updated it to run on modern operating systems? Yes, no, that is what this is about. that was so probably you, can, you and I had. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah, you can you can buy it, and it's $6, and I think I might actually buy it because I would really like to play it because all of the original cast did the voices. Oh, well, then you definitely have to get it, especially if it's only $6. Yeah, I mean, that that's super cheap. Okay, here's what it says. 
uh, it's a point-and-click adventure with multiple solutions and moral choices combined with a first-person starship simulator. You get to play Captain Kirk. So exciting. Um, you'll control phasers, photon torpedoes, shields, and communications during eight separate space and ground missions. Visit different worlds and then join a landing party sent down to map and interact with alien races and artifacts. Piloting the USS Enterprise is a thrill in itself, but the actual voices of William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, James Dewan, George Takei, Walter Canning, and Nichelle Nichols will make your adventure truly out of this world. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Six dollars. You got to get that. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to do it. So this is available at a website that's called GOG.com. G-O-G. I wonder if that stands for something. But um, they appear to have lots of different games there. So, yeah, I'm going to buy it and yay, download it. And then probably die a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> it's only a computer game. It's only a computer game. Yes. And at least there won't be any admiral yelling at me to well, do something we, different. We it doesn't know. look like <laughs> Well, it, from the, the little screen cap images here, it doesn't look like that. Well, and ours was specifically the Star Trek Academy game. Yeah, yeah. This is much more of like original series, adventure, go down, meet some aliens yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Not the Academy stuff. And you get to break up the crowd. Right. That's awesome. Okay. Um, well, let's take a break. Okay. And uh, then we'll be back. We have a special segment. Yes, we do. Oh, and we also have um, another uh, comic book review for everyone. Oh, great. Okay. We'll be back in just a few. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we love you and we love hearing from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Comments to lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And check out the Look at His Butt Facebook page for even more Shatnerific fun. So now we're going to talk about something we haven't talked about in quite a while, and that is fanfic. Yay, fanfic. Okay, go. And what sort of set this off was last weekend I saw a play here in Chicago called Bad Fic Love. And I knew it had to do with writing fan fiction. And so I thought, yeah, this sounds like, you know, my stuff. So I volunteered to usher. And I ended up stationed at the doorway with the house manager, Mm -hmm. a really nice young woman. And basically all we had to do was, as people went in, say, it's open seating, enjoy the show. (laughs) So we had lots of time to talk. And she just kept saying, I love nerds, you know, and what a cool show it is and everything. And I said, well, you know, I'm such a nerd. I've written fan fiction, and I have a podcast. And so I told her about Mm -hmm. it, and she got really excited. So when the uh, stage manager came out to tell us, we're going to start in about five minutes. She said, she introduced me and said, she has a podcast. And so, you know, they both gave me their emails. And so I I wrote to them. So now they know where look at his butt is. And I'm going to let them know when this show goes up, because now we're going to talk about bad fic love, Yay! which is a play that was written by Adam Payson. Mm -hmm. And this was directed by Aaron Henriksen. And it was presented by strange bedfellows. Um, I had a really good time at this show, and a lot of it 
hit home. Cool. And if you have ever been involved in fanfic, it's going to hit home for you. <laughs> I'm going to try to briefly do sort of a recap of, of, of the play, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about various issues that occurred to me. Um, I did find out before I went in that it had to do with Harry Potter fanfic. Oh, okay. But that's okay. You know, I, I, I know enough basic Harry Potter. So it started out with Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to kill each other <laughs> with magic. And so obviously we're seeing a story happening. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to kill each other. And then they realize they can't kill each other because they love each other. <laughs> and so, you know, then they talk about how much they love each other. And then they, they smooch. And then this thing comes up that says, Harry and Drake all have three seconds of mad, passionate love. And then, <laughs> then they're both going, oh, oh, that was great. That was wonderful. Well, then um, a bunch of uh, dementors come in, <laughs> which was so funny, and are threatening them. And all of a sudden, this girl who's dressed not really like a superhero, but in, in tight superhero-ish sort of things, mm-hmm. she more or less leaps in and says, don't worry, I'll save you. And they're like, Michelle, you're here, you know. So she's the Mary Sue. Oh, wow. Oh. And she saves them all, and everybody goes off. Okay, so, you know, cut or whatever, lights down, lights come back up. And we are now in the apartment of these two guys who are roommates. One of them is studying for the law boards, and the other one is trying to write his thesis. And his thesis is on bad fan fiction. So he has been reading, following this Michelle's fan fiction, which apparently is incredibly bad. And he is a member of an organization called FIC, F-I-C, and I can't remember what it stood for, except the C stood for canon, so it's something like in defense of canon. Mm -hmm. And their thing is, they sort of stalk bad fanfic writers. And then online, they somehow destroy them. What? Yeah, I know. This is really weird. I mean, it gets kind of strange. So um, he's the the member of the group who is he's their their um, like their detective. He finds out who these people really are, you know. Mm-hmm. So he has found this Michelle, and he has set up like a coffee date to meet her by telling her, you know, he's read her stuff. Well, meanwhile, the roommate is like, oh, man, this fan fiction. Why aren't you working on your thesis? And basically his thesis is to write a parody of her fan fiction. Okay. Well, the minute the roommate starts reading this, he's hooked on it. (laughs) Seemed kind of odd. So anyway, he goes and meets this Michelle. And, uh... And, and they really, they really hit it off. And so over the course of time, a relationship develops between them. And he likes her a lot. And so he's dragging his feet on doing the evil things mm. that the rest of the group is is pushing him to do. And meanwhile, there are more scenes of, of Harry and Draco having sex on the broomsticks. <laughs> and um, of, uh, what's his name? The, the bad guy. Voldemort, oh, Voldemort showing up. Oh, Snape's in it too. He's so funny. And Snape, you know, tells them that being gay is wrong. And uh, Michelle somehow banishes him. And then, 
Um, Voldemort basically was, this was so funny, an actor with a stocking pulled over his head so it flattened out his nose to nothing. <laughs> and he's the, he's like everybody else. Every, all the bad guys in this are against Harry and Draco because of being gay. Mm-hmm. You know, so Michelle banishes them and everything. So this goes on. And then uh, finally... Because of what the the rest of the group is doing, they have prepared this whole thing now of, of somehow they're going to destroy her. He has to confess to her what he's been mm-hmm. doing. And, you know, she, of course, breaks up with him because he's just been using her. And, um, and the weird thing about the group is what they mainly seem to be down on her for is grammar and spelling hmm. and not what she does with the characters or that they aren't particularly true to the, the canon characters. Okay. And so he's having this argument with her and she says to him, do you think my stories are bad? And he says, well, it doesn't matter. You know, if you think they're good, blah, blah. And she's going, no, say it, say it. You think they're bad. And she even says to him, I know they're bad. And he says, yes, they're bad, they're awful, so they split up. The thing to me at that point was she was right on the verge of saying, I know they're bad, but I don't care. I write them for me. Mm-hmm. They make me happy. I like when people say they like what I'm doing. So um, this, this scene uh, really kind of got to me. On the walls, they were projecting these comments after... Mm-hmm. Uh, the group had pointed out how bad this stuff was. And it started out, you know, rolling kind of slow. And one of them was, I like this. This is good. And all the rest just got more and more cruel and horrible. And it went faster and faster. It was really pretty awful. Well, then, here's, to me, the scene that was the heart of the whole thing. And I really want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. We see... Um, or these two scenes. We see Harry and Draco, and something happens, so they're in trouble. And they go, um, isn't this where Michelle shows up? <sighs> and what's going on? And then Hermione and uh, Ron just kind of turn and walk away. And then there's Harry and Draco not knowing what's going on. And they sort of walk away. So the next time we see them or see any of them, mm-hmm. of the, the fanfic characters. Harry is all by himself, and he's got his thumb out like he's hitchhiking. And uh, he sits down on the floor, and he's trying to figure out how to tie his shoes. And eventually, um, Michelle does come on. And he says, Michelle, you're here. Where have you been? I did, nothing is, is right. Nothing is the way it should be. And she explains to him that she's not writing anymore, that he's a character she has written, that he's not even really Harry Potter. And that um, she says, I'm just writing this last bit to sort of finish it out. So um, you're on your own. And he goes, well, what, what, what will I do? I don't, I don't know anything. She goes, I've prepared a little gift for you to help you in the real world. And she gives him this box, and then she says, don't open it just yet. You'll know when to open it. And she leaves. And then Draco comes on, and they're like, hi, I wondered what happened to you. And, you know, what have you been doing and everything? And they, they confess that, that um, neither one of them has been able to cope with whatever world they're in now. Hmm. 
and fun. So they open the box, and it's got a little note from Michelle, and it says, um, real life is not like the stories I've been writing. So here are some things to help you. And there's some money and, like, a sweater and things like that. And then the last thing is lubricant. So they hold hands and just go off to explore whatever. And meanwhile, back in the real world, um, the guy has decided not to write to mock her bad fic as his thesis. But instead, now he's writing a novel called Bad Fic Love, and and that's the end. But there was also one other scene in there where they finally did actually do this destroying of Michelle. Mm -hmm. And so, again, this is happening in the fanfic world. So all the characters are dressed sort of semi-like superheroes, but not any specific superheroes. And they are pounding on her and beating on her. And and that's when all these comments were going by. And I was going, but what are they actually doing? Are they just, you know, what are they doing in the real world? Is mm-hmm. it just this comments or, you know, they talk about destroying her. Mm-hmm. So that was that was all kind of strange. <clears throat> and now I need to look at my notes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the big thing to me, the, the interesting thing to me was, the real world versus the fanfic world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then this whole idea of the characters are now set free. And they are somehow going on to do whatever. They don't have magic anymore. And Michelle seems to think they are now in a real world. Hmm. So what do you think of that, of, of comic or of fanfic characters being set free and 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 living their own lives. I don't, I, I don't want to say anything as silly as do you think that's possible? <laughs> but I've never thought about that. You know, when I stopped writing, like, yeah. are my characters sitting around waiting for me? So I guess for me, okay. So this is just my experience with fanfic: is that. If I'm not writing them or if some, I'm reading a series that someone else is writing, that, in fact, they're not just sitting around waiting for someone to write a story about them. That that in their world, wherever it is they live, they're doing stuff. They're out there, mm-hmm. you know, having coffee and doing whatever and, you know, taking the TARDIS for adventures and things. And, no, they're not just sitting around waiting. And whether or not you're writing about them, they're doing whatever it is they're doing anyway. And in, in that way... You can't set them free because there's nothing to be set free from. Right. They already have a world. They live in their world, and that's where they are. And you writing about them is almost the way, you know, when when Tolkien was writing, he was doing it as part of this giant construct that he had found a book that had the, the actual stories of some place that existed. So he was just the chronicler. He was the translator. He wasn't mm-hmm. writing stories about Middle Earth. He was just translating stories that had been written that were actual histories. So that's kind of my approach to fanfic is that it is almost like we're writing, we're taking dictation or we're, we're writing histories uh-huh. so rather than actually inventing things, even though I know that that is what we're doing. Okay, I'm going to come back to this play in a minute, but you've just led me right into my next topic. Um, As you know, I watch Once Upon a Time, Mm -hmm. which gets worse and worse every minute, but I'm still (laughs) hooked on it. Well, this whole season, this thing all started out with this boy had this book of fairy tales. 
and it turns out that everybody in the town was originally a fairy tale character. Mm-hmm. And so the book tells their stories. Well, they found out either at the end of last season or whenever that there is somebody called the author, obviously with a capital A. Mm-hmm. And the villains become obsessed with this idea of if they find the author, they can make him write them happy endings. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So this whole season they've been, you know, searching for the author. And, of course, they have found the author and he has a magic pen and magic ink and anything he writes <laughs> comes true. Uh-huh. So, you know, if he were to write, Lena has superpowers, <laughs> you would have superpowers. That would be awesome. That's all there is to it. Um, but one of the things that, that kind of weirded me out, and it only occurred to me when this author character showed up, but really it should have occurred to me like in episode two, um, as these people learn that they're fairy tale characters... That might be kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. And they learn that they have been ripped out of their fairy tale world into our world as part of the evil queen's vengeance. That would be disturbing. But now, to find out, you don't even have free will mm-hmm. that this guy can write anything he wants. He can, you know, he can throw out your whole past. He can just, you know, take your your children, your husband, your wife, your your friends, whatever, away from you. And, and apparently that's what's coming up in the uh, season finale is the roles are reversed. The villains are the heroes. The, the heroes are the villains. And I'm sure the actors are going to have a lot of fun. But uh, it kind of surprises me, and maybe I'm expecting too much of this stupid show, <laughs> that nobody has mentioned how upsetting that would be. Yeah. And in a way, Harry and Draco in <laughs> this fanfic play... I think are playing something more truthful mm-hmm. when they find out that when she tells him, I've been writing you, you, you're, you're not even really Harry Potter. And he's like, well, of course I am. I'm Harry, you know, and everything. Oh, but one of the neat things that happened when he was all alone was trying to tie his shoes. Mm-hmm. He wiped his brow and, um, his lightning mark came off that <gasps> oh, scar. Wow. I mean, you know, there was some really cool stuff in yeah, this show. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking about, um, red shirts because mm-hmm. that was part of the well that was the plot of red shirts but right i thought that in that book when they discover slowly that they are characters in something mm-hmm. they are appropriately horrified and they do talk about things like free yeah. will and why they're doing this and how they can change it and it becomes very philosophical i thought that was a good take on the realization that maybe they don't have any free will although they do end up having some in the end mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so you know, this play it was it was uneven, it was a few scenes longer than it needed to be. Um, not all the characters seemed well motivated in the real world. Mm-hmm. But still, I'm really glad I saw it. You know, I had a really good time. There's a lot of funny, funny comedy in it. Mm-hmm. And I did post something on the Shatner board saying this has nothing to do with Bill or Star Trek. But, you know, that I'd seen this and that they were closing the next week. And if you were in Chicago, you should try to see it. But um, I also read the notes in the program. And um, I wanted to read a couple of them. This more has to do with uh, fanfic in general than this idea of characters becoming real or finding out they aren't real. Um, 
it says, this is talking about Michelle, as someone who writes herself in each of her Harry Potter fan fiction stories, which often pair Harry and Draco as romantic love interests, it is through her narratives that she feels a sense of purpose and in contrast, the deep and profound loss of purpose as she questions the validity of her work. There's something personal and transcendent about young women, I would take out the word young and even women, saying people, in America who write and read fan fiction and find a sense of self through this kind of artistic expression, which is something deeply explored through the characters in Bad Fic Love. Hmm. Um, then he, he talks about, um, you know, that fan fiction is no longer a secret and everybody, you know, knows about it. And then he, he quotes a fan who wanted to remain anonymous. She said, um, fan fiction, fan art, the way female fans celebrate what they love, this stuff isn't a secret anymore. And it shouldn't be a punchline anymore either. It's a big, messy world full of amateur writing and unedited work. But it's also got some of the best fiction I've ever read, published or otherwise. You don't have to participate in it to afford it even a modicum of respect. That's very nice. Yeah, um, it, like I say, it was an interesting show, and the the notes were interesting, and uh, it's just sort of like uh, fanfic has been popping up as a topic in my life lately. It has. I, I have seen it just all over the place, getting mentioned in places that, mm-hmm. that you would never think, and it's unfortunate that it does get treated like a punchline in places, but I think um, in in academia anyway and in writing circles it's taken far more seriously than it used to be oh yeah which is a good thing you know like people should be encouraged and and all of those things um that you were just quoting in that thing that there can be a lot of raw unedited stuff but there can also be just amazing fiction that Mm -hmm. people are coming up with and you know pretty much so what if it's not an original character that you created it doesn't matter right and it's one of those things i really feel hurts no one mm-hmm. you know either monetarily or or physically or any of those things mm-hmm. um i also wanted to talk about a recent episode of big bang theory this goes back a few weeks where um the girls found out that amy has written little house on the prairie <laughs> fanfic and so they they're like we got She's going, no, no, please don't. So they, they, they do start reading it, of course. And then we see the scene. Well, yeah, it takes place, you know, in that time and place. But it's about Amy and Sheldon. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just hilarious and sweet. And the greatest thing is, although the other two girls started out, ah, you write fan fiction, they get so into that story. <laughs> And they're just all just, you know, glued to the computer screen as they're reading this. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Leonard comes in. He goes, hey, I wanted to. And they all go, get out. (laughs) (laughs) And just toss him out. So they're completely into it. Well, later that night when, when Leonard and Penny are in bed, she's reading him some of this. And he's actually enjoying it until Sheldon and Amy start to have sex in this story. And then he's out of it. But I thought, that was great. That it wasn't just a punchline, that it showed how how raw and addictive this stuff can be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is great. You know, it's funny, as, as you're talking about this, and I, w- I was just thinking back to how we were talking about movies earlier, I think one of the reasons that I really like The Flash mm-hmm. is that it's basically fanfic. It really is. 
is. I'm starting to think everything written down or filmed or, or anything is fanfic. Because even if you start out writing your own original characters, you very quickly become fans of them. Yeah. I mean, as a writer. I think so. And so that, I, I think more than anything about the, the things that I am liking right now, like the Marvel movies and The Flash, is that they are, they're very much in the spirit of fanfic. So it's a different take on a character, and it uses elements of the canon, mm-hmm. but just arranges them in slightly different ways and does funny, interesting, unusual meta things that you wouldn't find normally in the fiction, you know, I, I know that in comics, it's gotten, people have gotten more used to doing that sort of meta commentary on what's going on, but they do that all the time in the TV show. It's very, very mm-hmm. funny. Oh yeah. And I, I just, I really dig that. I, I think that is sort of where my taste for popular media is going now is, is more on that level rather than on the really deadly serious stuff, which is mm-hmm. what Arrow is to me. And that's why I can't watch it. Oh, okay. Um, I also wanted to talk about some terms they used in the play. Uh-huh. Um, as each fanficish, internetish term came mm-hmm. up that you might not be familiar with, a definition appeared. Oh, cool! Um, but they also printed a glossary <laughs> in the in the program. And there are terms here I never ever heard Ooh. when we were in the fanfic world. So you know, obviously things do grow and change. But I want to know if you have any experience with these. Okay, one is a border is a person who posts on the internet as in an opinion or response to another border. Really? Yeah. Okay. Then there's an assassin. What's that? A border whose job is to enter the bad fic and eliminate the Mary Sue. What? And that's what this organization is. Um, bleep fic. An exceptionally terrible bad fic that is not well known enough to achieve legendary status. Hmm. Crack fic. Fan fiction that is intentionally bad in an attempt to create bad fic that usually falls flat for trying too hard. Okay. Um, some of these, we obviously, you and I obviously know, like Flamer, you mm-hmm. know. Legendary bad fic. An exceptionally terrible bad fic that is universally acknowledged as bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of the name of that really famous one in Star Trek fan fiction where it was a drinking game to see... How much you could read out loud without cracking up? Yeah, um, the one that I always think of is the Harry Potter one, which is called My Immortal, um, which many people think is the worst fanfic ever written, and um, it's really bad. I I will send you a link. In fact, I'll put a link on this show notes because um, some guy who is a voiceover artist, and I don't know who it is, did a dramatic reading of part of one chapter. (gasps) I remember this. Oh I remember. God. I remember seeing this online. It yes, was, it's so funny, and he does it really, really straight until the very end when he just loses it and starts <laughs> cracking up. And I found out recently that that particular fic was in the lingo that you are reading a crack fic. It was purposefully written to be bad, <gasps> and for a long time I couldn't decide if it was purposefully bad or whether it was just naively bad. But it turned out someone fessed up, and it was purposefully written as bad. And it's hilarious. Oh, wow. It's so funny. Wow. So, listeners, if you are familiar with these terms, yeah, um, or if there is maybe somewhere in fandom a, a group of people who whose idea is to clean up the fanfic world, I mean, we know individuals like that, but I mean, an organization is is something different. But um, yeah, I have. I've it was all kind of a, a strange walk down memory lane for me. Yeah, but but really, this whole idea of you know Harry and Draco being lost and having to 
find their own way in some other world that seemed to me like a world of nothingness, Mm -hmm. um, it really gave me pause. Yeah, that's really very interesting. And and I'm glad you brought it up. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about my relationship to the characters in fanfic. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the the way I was talking about it. That's totally how I feel about it. I wonder if most fanfic authors feel that way or whether they really do think of the characters as just sort of dormant until they do something with them. Well, you know... If you if you if you back it up a little before they become fanfic writers, and they're big fans of the Harry Potter books or Star Trek or whatever, and those end, in a way, the fanfic writer is responding to. The, I mean, fanfic writers say this all the time. I hear the characters; yeah. they're responding to those characters saying, "I want more. Mm-hmm. I want more adventures. I want to go on and live yeah. my life." So they're giving them the life they think they should have, and since they're writing it, they can make them perfectly happy with yeah, that. Exactly. Yes. I... So, yeah, the idea that fiction, unlike real life, never ends. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's something to think about. It's cool. Oh, that's great. That sounds like a really interesting play. I. I would like to see it. Maybe it'll come here. That would be cool. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. But like I said, I'm going to let them know when this show goes up. Ask them to let the uh, the cast and the artistic staff and the writer and everything know about the show mm-hmm. because I think they would enjoy hearing our comments. So I also want to say every one of those actors was so good. Oh, good. That's great. Really yeah. good. There was not a weak performance. And in the, the scene where the organization was having his, its meeting, you, you could tell... They were really inhabiting these various Mm -hmm. nerd types, which Mm -hmm. was a lot of fun. Oh, that's so cool. Yay. Yes. Yes. Good. Yay. Thank you for that. That was a really well done review. Oh, good. And you'll be paid for that at the end of the week. So thank you. Yay. (laughs) Just send me a couple donuts. I'll be okay. Um, Well, I would like to round out this show by doing a quick review of another of the um, Star Trek um, Fumetti, you know, the the, car- the photoshopped Star Trek comic mm-hmm. books that we've been talking about before. So um, the, the first one that was in the series was the Mirror episode, which I talked about sometime last year, at the end of last right. year. And there are uh, five of them all together. So here's a review of the second one, and I'm going to read through the rest and then talk about them. Um, this one is two stories. The first is called Time's Echo, and it's very, very Star Trek. Uh, it there's there first of all there's no romantic love interest for Kirk which was disappointing. Well, yes. Um, but it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, star, a, a time travel story. So the Enterprise is out in space, and this um, way station that's on the the borders of the Federation receives this very strange message from the core of the galaxy, and it appears to be a message from the Enterprise that was sent <gasps> a thousand years ago. So the Enterprise has to go and investigate. So they go, and as we know now, at the center of our galaxy is a giant black hole. So they have to be careful about how close they get. Yeah. But but they find a planet, and on the planet they find the crashed remains of the Enterprise. Oh, no, how did it get there? So they go down, and they investigate, and it turns out that the planet has a small population of people who were descended from the people of the Enterprise from a thousand years ago. And we don't get to see... This is a good story. It's a very good story, but we don't get to see them because they're wearing these robes and I was really Uh disappointed. I was like, what do they look like? But they they look like the Jawas from Star Wars. They're just all covered. (laughs) Um, Bummer. So um, that happens and it turns out that um, because history is replaying itself, they were expecting the 
our enterprise to show up on that day mm-hmm. and they have to they want to make sure that everything happens the way it did a thousand years ago for them so that they can continue to live so they're trying to preserve their own timeline but um kirk of course doesn't want that to happen because it turned out when the enterprise crashed on the the planet a lot of people died and he says i'll do anything to keep you know i'm responsible for the lives of 400 people blah 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 so um he, oh that old speech he, yeah you've heard that a thousand times so anyway yes. um so spoiler they managed to do things differently and they don't crash the enterprise on the planet and they um everybody gets erased the people who were on the planet <gasps> and the crashed enterprise just go poof just like that and the Enterprise ends up back, you know, like thousands of light years from where they were. And it's done really well. There's some tension. Wow. And everybody talks like they're supposed to talk. And it, it's it's good. So I like that a lot. Although I was surprised that there wasn't more of a moral quandary for Kirk about making yeah. all these people disappear you know? Yeah, this is kind of a no-win scenario, Jim. Yeah, and he doesn't really kind of deal with that, which was disappointing wow. because I could imagine that's the kind of thing that Kirk would really kind of agonize about, right? Mm-hmm. You know, of course he wants to save the, his crew members, but this is a whole, almost a civilization that's been there for a thousand years, and now he's going to wipe them out just like that. But wow. he really doesn't seem to give a shit, and he just does it. So that's that. That that's that's not not real, Kirk. Yeah. So I I think the um the writing sort of implies that uh the the existence of these people isn't really reality, but they're there. So actually, it is reality. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, it's it's very interesting. Um, like I said, that's my one criticism is that they should have dealt a little bit more with that. Um. And Kirk seems perfectly fine with the way everything turned out at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. And then, and I don't know why this is in here, but here it is. It's a Rand story. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and let me preface this by saying, of course, we were all very sad that Grace Lee Whitney passed away earlier yes, this week. Yes, indeed. You know, that was, and it was like we've been saying, I think, in the last couple episodes, it's scary how many of the <gasps> crew members are, you know, passing yes. away. They're getting yes. older. And that was sad. And, and, you know, so, and now I'm going to tell you how much I don't like Rand. So, uh, this little story, it, and it is a little story, it's only like five pages or something, is about how Janice Rand left the Enterprise because that's a thing that was never explored. Right. And the reason in this is because her her fiancé, who she hasn't heard from for a while because he went off to take a, a job somewhere, gets involved in a terrible accident and they don't know if he's going to live, but if he does live, he's going to need all kinds of support and he doesn't have any family. So basically, she quits Starfleet to go take care of her injured fiancé at the end. Okay. <laughs> And I was just like, really? That's that's why she left was just because of that? And, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I get that that probably is a valid reason for some people, but it's so stereotypical. Like, you know, oh, I'm only having this job until something more important happens. Like my fiance that I haven't heard from in a year becomes injured. So I'm going to give yeah, up my... and he sounds like a loser. He does. So she has to give up her life and her career to go take care of a guy that who knows if he even cares about him. Like, oh, not very good. The one thing that I liked about this is that it's really Rand interacting with other characters. 
So she mm-hmm. has some really nice moments with Aurora. And then she has some nice moments with McCoy. And she has a nice moment talking to Chapel. And it's it's cool to see her just interacting with the other secondary characters. And Kirk isn't in it at all until just like the very mm-hmm. last panel or so. She even has a nice scene with Marlena Mar- not Marlena Moreau, the um the historian, Marla MacGyvers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, that's actually kind of cool, you know, to bring them in. Because, of course, they were members of the crew, and they would interact with each other. So that part was good. I like that. But the whole thing with her leaving because of her fiancé was like, ugh, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like that story. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of like Christine joining Starfleet because she thinks yeah. they might run across Roger Corby exactly. somewhere in the universe. Yeah, I mean, they don't give men those motivations, you know? No. But that's, it, you would never, ever have a male character doing something like that. So mm-hmm. this just was like, ugh, could we not think of something a little more original? Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, but as before, you know, the art on these is pretty well done and the script is pretty good and the characters more or less sound like they're supposed to sound. So... That was issue number two, and next time will be issue number three. Well, I think that sounds great. Yeah, and again, um, you know, this stuff is pretty much fanfic. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> like I'm saying, I think every creative thing you do is some sort of fanfic. It might be fanfic of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, but that's coming from somewhere, and you have to feel passionate about it. Yeah to create anything, a story, a dance, a, a song, a, a, a painting, a movie. You know, there's got to be a passion there. And who's more passionate about creative things than fans? Oh, no one. We are the most passionate people ever. We are. And we'll kill anyone and who we, says anything that's different. <laughs> and we drive the fastest cars. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this particular show. Yeah, this has been a long show, it so we hope you were able to stick with really, us. Really, and that we raised some interesting topics for you all to think about. And, um, yeah, this has just been great. I'm so glad that we're getting to explore these different things. So. Yes, and let us hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear your response to some of the ideas we've been kicking around. Yes, please. That would be great. Okay. All right. So until next time, as we always say, thank you for listening. We love you. We love our fans. And, you know, live long and pot. Long and pot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>